You are listening to an audio from Redemption City Church. If you would like to explore more resources or donate to this ministry, go to www.visitredemptioncc.com. In the time before Christ, the Jews went through a time of exile. While in exile, they would build temples scattered away from their homeland. During that time, a city named Ephesus was created by the Greeks and taken by the Romans. Roman rulers would connect the world with Rhodes. Paul was able to capitalize on both. Scattered Jewish temples connected by the Roman Empire Rhodes which led Paul to Ephesus, where he pastored for a while, left and then wrote them the letter, titled Ephesians. The lie is that things will always be the way they are. Broken people, broken churches. The truth is that you can become a new man with a new heart and a new mind. The people who follow Christ can be one body, one church, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father to all. Ephesians. Well, good morning, Redemption. How are we doing? Oh, there we go. How are we doing? Well, I am good too in Christ. If you are visiting today, my name is Brandon and I'm an elder and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption City. And you've really come on a great day to experience the truth about God. We are in our Ephesians series. And so um, it's been a really exciting time to figure out who we are in Christ. And so if you've been regularly attending here, which I'm seeing so many familiar faces, which is awesome. I really do hope you're growing deeper in your relationship with the Lord and that you're finding ways to serve and get involved in this community and that hopefully over time as the Lord stirs your affections, you might consider this a safe place for you to call home. And if you are a glad covenant member, which me and Pastor Jack, we're just, man, we're over the moon to see people leaning in in covenant membership. I really hope that you are already experiencing the beautiful fruit of what occurs when you get to belong and be responsible for a people. And those same people get to belong to you and they get to be responsible for you, right? And so just like last time, we're going to have this family meeting. This is our last time doing it, right? I, I told you guys faithfully, we want to do this about three or four times because each week we're getting some, there's new people coming. There's people who maybe were sick last week. And I want everyone to really get the heart and the culture of why we start our sermons this way. So I'm going to go through these questions real quick. Here's the first one. Pastor Brandon, why do you say good morning and how are we? You always use those three words. How are we? every time you start service. Well, here's why. A loving family cares to inquire of one another, right? They care to inquire. When we are coming in and we're about to hear the living word of God, I want you to do an internal atmosphere check. Think about it. You go through the whole week and things happen. Events happen. Good events, bad events, and they all store in our heart. Some of them we know and we're thinking about right now. Some of them are in our subconscious. But as we prepare to hear the living word of God, how are you doing? I want you to be a deep thinker here at Redemption City Church. All right, here's our second question. Okay, well, why do you then, after you say, how are, you, how are we doing? Why do you encourage me to respond back? 
Like, that's a little bit weird, right? We don't really do that around here. We don't talk during church. Well, that's, that's actually not weird. And I'm encouraging you to engage with me and to respond with me because a healthy family exchanges communication. Think about it. The healthiest forms of any marriage, the healthiest forms of any family, even a father to a son, it's a dialogue and you are exchanging communication. It's not supposed to just be one way. And so when I get the opportunity to invite you into a conversation and there's going to be times throughout the sermon where I'm going to intentionally say amen, which means let what I just said be so. That's what amen means if you didn't know. When someone's saying amen, it's your opportunity. And that's me saying, is, do you want this to be so? And so when you return with an amen, that you're saying, I agree with what you're saying. And that is our Christ centered rally. Just like in sports, as a matter of it's football, basketball, pick your favorite sport. When the team comes together and they put their hands in the middle and they say, one, two, three, let's go. That is a symbolic moment of saying, I'm putting my agenda to the side. I'm devoted radically to what's going on for this team. And we're coming together in unity. And that's what I want for us here at Redemption City Church. Amen. 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 All right. So here's the last one. Okay. So we got that. You're going to say that you want us to exchange, but why do you then encourage me specifically to say I'm doing good or well or awesome when I may have had a terrible filled week with trials and tragedies? Are you encouraging me to fake it? No, I'm never encouraging you to fake it. Listen, our motto here at Redemption City Church is that it is okay to not be okay, right? It's, it's plastered on the front of our website, right? We, we say that we're like, hey, God will meet you right where you're at. And so will we. That's our heartbeat. We don't, whoever comes in this door, no matter what your circumstances are, we want to meet you there. But here's the thing. As a Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christian, we are resolved to not stay that way. We may not be okay, but we're resolved not to stay that way. We want to invite Christ into our circumstances to transform it. Now, let's look at Psalms 23, verse 6, one more faithful time where we get a really beautiful picture of that. And this is the word of the Lord. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here's the thing. Even when we don't feel like we're having a good week, we can, we can proclaim that it is a good week because we're doing that based upon the promises of God, right? It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all, not sometimes, not, not only when it's good, all the days. What a promise, all the days of my life. So even when we are struggling, we can proclaim that and we can believe that and we can live in such a way that represents that we trust God. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean there's, there's not faithful times to express where you're at. That's why we have, we're going to be launching city groups. We have our men's dinner night. We just had men's dinner night this past Friday. Guys, I'm loving you guys. We're growing deeper. We're getting into some deeper waters and we had conversations about things that are not okay. Right. But on Sunday morning, on God's time, this is the one time a week on Sunday mornings from 10, 15 a.m. till whenever we finish, because you know, I gotta do what I gotta do, right? This is the one time where we get to say, I am good 
and you get to do this ferociously and defiantly against Satan, I am resolved that I'm good in Christ because he told me that I can proclaim this promise and you can believe that with all of your heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. That is good, good news. So if you have your Bibles, and I really, really hope you do, I want you to be a student that uses your Bible. Um, you can open them to the book of Ephesians chapter one. We're going to be in there in just a little bit. And if you didn't bring your own Bible, we love you. So we have taken care of that. We have the turquoise Bibles to the left of you in the windowsill. We just ask that you would put those back in. We're going to continue to work and magnify God through the Ephesians series today. And really, this whole series is about discovering who we are in light of Christ. And here's going to be our aim. Here's our aim. This is my aim. I want to invite you into the same. No matter if you've read Ephesians 150 times or this is your first time seeing it today. Whether you have a master's degree in, in theology or you're just trying to figure out how to navigate this whole book. Our aim, my aim, my urge to you and my hope and my prayer is that each person would have a, an encounter in the book of Ephesians like they've never had before. And that's my hope. In part one, titled Foundations and Proclamations, for anyone who wasn't here, um, we sort of set the stage historically of what was going on at that time that the book of Ephesians was written. And we learned what Paul was experiencing under light chain house arrest. So that's going to sound very familiar to those who are here, and it may not sound familiar if you weren't here. And so what was so important about that is we looked at, um, we kind of have a, um, an imagination of what we think Paul was in prison based upon American culture and kind of bars and the way we think of prison. And that is not what Paul was experiencing. He was not in any type of a confinement of that kind of a prison. He was not high risk. We looked at that and we saw the many, many implications. I can't dive into that too much, even though I want to. And then most importantly, we looked at the construction of this book of Ephesians from a 30,000 foot perspective to see what is God trying to communicate before we go down deep into the book. And so here's some other things we learned from part one. It's going to be on your screen. We learned that the book of Ephesians deepens our understanding of the gospel. It magnifies the importance of the church. It promises immense filled, uh, grace-filled encouragement, and it gets really practical. And let me tell you, if you are a new believer coming into your relationship with the Lord, or you're walking with someone who's new to the faith, I strongly encourage you to explore the book of Ephesians with them. It is a great, great book to explain many things. We also learned that Ephesians can be broken into three segments, three faithful segments. Usually, if you look at like Bible Project or most ways, they're going to break it into two. But here at Redemption, we're going to do that faithfully in three segments. Segment one is all about who are we or who we are in Christ. And that's going to take us from about Ephesians chapter one to the end of Ephesians chapter three, all right? We, we must know who we are, we must have an identity, and we must know, um, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, who we are. In segment two, it's what we do. Now that we know who we are, what are we then called to do? And that's gonna take us from about Ephesians chapter four to about Ephesians chapter six, verse nine-ish, right? And then in segment three, we're gonna learn, okay, now that I know who I am, and now that I know what I've been called to do with my life, how do I defend this beautiful, beautiful um, knowledge that God has lovingly bestowed upon me? And then how do I, this is the biggest one, especially for our young people, how do I last? How do I last as a Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christian, right? And so this is going to be really important stuff. And so then we looked in part two at what is the peace of God? For the first time ever at Redemption City Church, we looked at that, right? Everything's going to be the first time. For the first time, we looked at grace in the DNA series, and we looked at mercy, and then we looked faithfully at what is 
the peace of God. And so here's the review. The peace of God is the holy summary of all the blessings that result from experiencing God's grace and mercy that leads to a robust rest. Man, that's good news. Rest and landing that you are reconciled to God, to each other in Christ. And so, and then I put up this kind of dynamic kind of a, a roadmap to peace. This, this one's not going to move like it did before, but we, what basically what we talked about was when we have the grace of God and we understand biblically that it's constantly pushing forward in God's love. And then the mercy of God is continuing daily as the grace of God pushes forward and the mercy of God continues daily and the grace of God continues to push forward and the mercy of God continues daily. As those two things happen simultaneously, you have a joyful collision of the peace of God that is offered to you. And that is what Paul is saying. And he was saying all this in two verses, if you can believe it. We spent two weeks trying to understand what God is saying in these two verses. And we learned that peace is a huge invitation that Christ is giving us through Paul for those who are saints, Christians, Bible-believing, and, remember that, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. And then finally, we learned that as a people, we have been called to live in this really difficult tension of gospel opportunity and gospel opposition. And that oftentimes, when God gives you opportunities to minister the gospel, to live out the gospel, to impact people's life, it is almost always, look, look throughout the scripture, it almost always comes with opposition. What do we do? How do we handle that? And how do we stay faithful? So that's good. And that brings us to today. And we're going to, we're going to continue on in our, what I'm calling our mini seven-part intro series into the larger series as we leap and prepare to dive deep into the rest of the book. And so today, part three is titled, Turning on the Switch to Every Blessing in Christ. And really, it's going to be all about understanding and accepting all that Christ has done for us, irrespective of what we can do for him. It's about recognizing to whom we belong and who we are and how that changes everything. And so Pastor Jack's gonna join right now. And as we get ready to read the word, there's, hey, I wanna exp explain the word. I wanna talk about the word, but you know what's even more important than my exposition of the word is the word interrupted, uninterrupted, amen? Uninterrupted word. So Pastor Jack, can you read loudly Ephesians chapter one, verses one through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints, who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That is the word, the sweet, rich word of the Lord. And there's so much packed in these verses, and I can't wait to dive in. So let's do that. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just, man, prepare to study the benefits of being in Christ. And we do that from the understanding that we are in an absolute war zone and that we are down here often stuck with me, myself, and I, which is our, always our worst enemy, Lord. We acknowledge that so often we are overwhelmed with the ways and the false wisdom of the world. Therefore, we come together today to see and to perceive the blessings and the benefits we have in you, Father, in Christ. So Jesus, now in the midst of our battles and our fight, we ask that faith would be birthed and ignited in us today. We ask that we would trust you and believe you by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that at least for today's sermon, at least for this moment, that we would put aside what we can do for you and instead fully interact with what you have done for us. I pray that we would literally freak out at the magnitude of what you've done, what you've done, Lord, for us, that we would learn that the very essence of being a Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christian starts with what you have offered us, what Jesus has done, what the Holy Spirit affirms is true, namely that you, Abba Father, you alone have already given us all that we need. It's because of your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. So how many of us this morning can admit that we don't know everything? I need to see hands raising. <laughs> okay. How many of us can admit that we do not know everything? I think that most of us, especially those of us who are older, can admit that we don't know everything. Matter of fact, one of the marks of becoming more mature and growing older is the acknowledgement that you just don't know everything. All right. So it looks like we're on the same page, right? All right. Now, what if I shared this morning that there's a huge possibility that perhaps you haven't received all that God has for you either. Would you believe that? Would you believe that you have not received all that God has for you? Like, would you be humble and open enough this morning to acknowledge that the Lord just might have more for you? And let me be clear. I'm not talking about a more of what you need to do. Like what if today's message was not at all and what if the first half of this whole book on Ephesians was not at all about how you need to read more or pray more or serve more or worship louder or any of that. But instead, what if today's message and what if this first half of the book of Ephesians was all about what God desires to provide for you and for me? Would you believe that's true for you? And what if this more was centered on what God has done for you with a period so that you could interact with the lavishing of his love. And what if it's the lavishing of his love and what he's done for you that leads to all the transformation 
that you ever, ever needed? Would you be open to that? Like before you write me off this morning and say that that can't be true, would you be willing also to admit that perhaps you don't know everything that you need to know in this book of Ephesians and would you open your heart and expect and have an expectancy to meet the Lord today? That's what I'm asking of you this morning. Think about it this way. Have you ever been in a, in a room at like a family member or a friend's? They just got a new place. It's been like a month and a half. And so you come over and you're like, I, uh, my phone's getting a little bit dead. I need to go plug it in. So you go to an outlet and you go to go plug it in, right? And you plug it in and there's no power coming. So your family member, your friend's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, we've been here for about four or five weeks and I don't know what's wrong with that outlet. It doesn't seem to work. Sometimes it does work and sometimes it doesn't. I can't figure it out. It's pretty odd. And you're like, okay, you don't make it a big deal. You just kind of unplug it. You go somewhere else to plug it in and you're like, man, I need a little bit more light. So you go to the light switch on the wall. It's at the far wall and you go to turn on the light switch and you start flipping it. And it's not working. And then your friend or your friend is like, yeah, you know, I don't really know where that, what that light switch goes to, you know, I've been trying to figure that out. Right. And so you're like, Hmm, now some of you guys know where I'm going with this. Right. And so you're like, well, buddy. So you go back to your phone. And you're like, I think I'm gonna go back to that first plug. Just give me a second. And then you go, you go plug it in, right? You go plug in the light switch. You go, I mean, into the outlet. And so you go back to that same light switch and all of a sudden you flick the light switch on and all of a sudden your phone's charging. Wow. And so that outlet that seemingly didn't work and that light switch that seemingly was not functional when they were put together and they worked in unity, all of a sudden you had power. Hmm. And so what, what if in that same scenario, there was a design and there was an architect that built that house. And in that house and that architect built a design where that light switch needed to activate the power source of that outlet. And that outlet was radically dependent upon that light switch. But when it was separated from each other, they had no function. Okay. Now I want you to lean in for a second. I want you to get intimate with me for a moment. There's some light switches in our lives right now going on that are not working and it's causing a lot of pain in our lives. And there's some switches that are not receiving any power and it's killing you slowly in parts of your walk with the Lord. And everyone has moments where they experience that. And maybe you're thinking this morning, Hey, pastor Brandon, you have no idea. My marriage is not working. I mean, I know we're coming, we're kind of in that prime time unity thing that we talked about in the DNA series, but when the door, when the lights are off and, and no one's looking, there's not much love here. My marriage isn't working or maybe, maybe my parenting isn't working. I feel like a failure, an utter failure as a mother or as a father, or, or my relationships in general aren't working, or my faith is not growing, or my pain is not ending, or my faulty desires are not changing. My fears are not waning. My confidence my confidence isn't really growing. My relationship with Jesus isn't maturing. If you sort of accepted that these areas of your life don't work, they can't work because it's been that way for so long, right? But here's the thing, the book of Ephesians, Paul inspired by Christ Jesus is teaching us through the book of Ephesians that they can work and they do work. Marriage can work in Christ. Your relationships can work in Christ. Your faith can deepen in Christ. But perhaps, brothers and sisters, they haven't been activated by the correct power source yet. Have you considered that? Or perhaps you've been trying to turn on all the light switches in your own strength 
and in your own power. But you haven't humbled yourself and invited the God of the universe to be what activates that power. So here's Paul, right? He, he's, he's writing this in light chain house arrest. And he sees the people in Ephesus. And he sees their plights. And he sees their struggles. And he's offering them this. And this is what the word of the Lord says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. That's all we're going to talk about today. We can't talk about anything else. There's too much to talk about. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow. Now, here's the first thing I want you to notice right away. Matter of fact, if we don't get this, like slow down. If we don't get this, the rest of the book means absolutely nothing. So we're going to slow down. All right, here's, here's the thing. It's on the screen. God does the work for you. Repeat after me. God, God. Does, the does the work for me. For me. Now we're going to say it again like we believe it. God, God. does the work for me. I need you to work hard and let that seep into your heart and into your soul and into your mind. It's foundational and it's critical. I'm going to read it again. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. We don't bless God. We don't bless God. God blesses us. Amen. Now, I'm going to show you some quick things. Where you, don't, you don't have to follow all this. It's going to be on the screen. Here we go. Look at this. Verse 4. Even as he chose us. We don't choose God. God chooses us. Always remember that. There is safety and there is beauty there. God chooses us. We do not choose the Father. The Father chooses us. Verse 5. In love, he predestined us. We don't predestine anything. We don't have that ability. But the creator of the universe, our Abba Father, predestined us for glorious plans. That's beautiful. Verse, verse 6. He provides provided redemption. We don't, we don't redeem anything. We screw things up, right? But God redeems them, right? Are you seeing this? Are you tracking with this? God does the work. Verse eight, he lavished grace upon us. We don't lavish anything, but God in his love, in his grace, in his mercy, lavishes it all. Can you see? These are the things that God has done for us without any effort from us. This means we need to stop striving so hard. That's, what, that's like the biggest thing I do in my mentorship. Stop striving so hard and rest in the hands of the living God. Stop doing that. So Paul is saying, hey, this, this light switch of Christ has been activated for you and for me. And Christ is permeating with all this power that comes from the Father. And it includes every spiritual blessing that you need. God is the power source. But here's the thing. Christ is the light switch that activates it all. It's through Christ that we have access to the Father's power. Are you, are you, are you tracking with me? Now, I want you to notice something about these promises. It says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, not every earthly blessing in the retail places. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Paul's promising us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Are we going to talk about that? Not every earthly blessing. Because see, here's what we do as the people of God, right? We get in these storms and these trials. We start struggling. You know, uh, the mortgage isn't working out. We lose our house. We have these circumstances. And all of a sudden, God isn't showing up. God's not being faithful. Oh, me. Oh, my. What are we going to do? No, 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 no. God never promised that everything was going to be rosy in all these earthly realities. He just promised a superseding reality that he would provide daily, 
continuously never-ending spiritual blessings that would supersede any earthly trial or tribulation you could ever possibly go through. And, and is that good news? That is good news. So when we think about these things like cars or our wealth or, ready, even our health, these are temporary earthly realities. Now, don't get me wrong. These are not bad things in and of themselves, but we must recognize that they are still earthly and they are not forever. But Paul, um, the blessings that Paul is talking about, he's speaking, are not of an earthly variety. They're not of an earthly kind. And I want you to notice that as he's talking about this, he never, ever even leans in and talks about his own trials, or his own sufferings. As he's in light chain house arrest, I need you to track with me because there's a lot going on right now. This entire time, Paul is discussing something so magnificent, something so deep, so wide, so great, so mighty, that it supersedes his own trials, his own reality. Like, I want you to know, historically, it was very common for people who were stuck in light chain house arrest and in prison to write to family members, to other cities, especially if you were of royal blood and of kind, to ask for help, comfort, they could send things to you. You recognize that Paul, not in the beginning of his letter, not in the middle of his letter, and not at the end of the letter, mentioned one need. Oh, we got to get this as the people of God so we can walk well and walk straight and walk forward. He doesn't ask for anything, but he proclaims everything that God's doing. And let me tell you something. This, this dude's not the God man. He's not Jesus. He's a man. He's a man filled with flesh. He was a murderous man. He was redeemed, but he was a murderous man that was redeemed. This is not Jesus, the God man walking. And if this fleshly, previously murderous, redeemed by Christ on Damascus man can sit under light chain house arrest, falsely accused, Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who are reviled against you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice if he can do that in such a way. Not only for himself, but because he's so filled up with Christ that he now is proclaiming that to a whole other people in Ephesus. Where is that power coming from? Hmm. And who has activated that kind of faith in that kind of way of walking? And that's what we're here to continue to, to look at in a faithful way. So if you've been leaning in thus, thus far to what we're talking about, this should be begging this question. You should be really interested in this question. I'm really interested in this question. What are the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places? I got to know what that is because Paul had them. Paul was proclaiming them. And apparently it took care of every one of his needs. What are these things? And so I went to my old faithful porch one more time, guys. You know, so I try to work on my sermons in advance. And this is the last time. It was sad. It was on my porch. I moved from Aloha, right? And so this is my last time writing a faithful definition on that porch. And so we're going to think deeply as we go through that. The spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that is offered to us. Here it is. Uh, hopefully this is something that we can rally around and really understand um, I try to break it down as simple as possible. Spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are the eternal treasures of personal reconciliation with God. Wow, man, good night. These blessings lead to incredible benefits that all people desire. Now, we're going to talk about these incredible benefits in just a moment. But right now, let's focus on these spiritual blessings because they are everything. 
I want you to see that Paul breaks these blessings into three main categories within verses 3 through 14. Now, if this is your first time here, I see this. Man, yeah, we, we, we work hard on Sunday mornings. We're riding away. I love it, right? So we're working hard. You just keep up. All right. So three main categories, all right, in verses 3 through 14. Here they are, okay? These are beautiful. These are beautiful. Number one, being chosen and adopted by the Father. All right, now, if we're going a little fast, you can skip a note. It's going to be online for you, but I want you to get this. Be, being chosen and adopted by the Father, verses 4 through 6. It's going to be great. Oh, man, I can't wait. Um, number two, being redeemed, forgiven, and equipped by the Son. Not by the Father, by the Son. Hmm. Verse 7 through 10. Everybody has a role, all right? And then being sealed for inheritance and made wealthy by the Spirit. Not the Father, not the Son. Oh, they all have roles by the Spirit, verses 11 through 14. Now, even within these three categories, you're going to see seven identifiable blessings of the triune God. Triune means three, three persons of God. Okay, So within these three categories that, I just, that are on the screen, there's seven identifiable blessings of the triune God. And so beginning next week... Right. So, yep, we're here again. So we're not going to be able to dive into all the blessings. We're going to set the stage for them because we have to be faithful. Think about think about how you're able to lean into what I'm sharing this morning and the exhortations this morning because of our faithful, slow, patient walk through verses one through two. Today, we do the same thing. But starting next week, it's on. We're diving deep into these blessings. Okay. so next week, we're going to start to do that. And I'm hoping that you're going to see these seven identifiable blessings of the triune God in these three categories in a way that you've never, ever seen them before. Because let me tell you, honestly, if you lean into these blessings and you place, you open your heart and you humble yourself and you ask the Lord to activate these things, it will change every single thing in your life. And it will change how you think about tomorrow. And it will definitely change how you think about eternity. But for now, what I really want you to see is what Paul is saying about these three categories of spiritual blessings and that they're only found in Christ. They're only found through Christ and they come from God and that they have to. You need them to permeate every single outlet of your life. Because let me tell you, anybody else and everything else will disappoint you at some point in life. Everybody in your life and everything that you place your hope in will disappoint you, but God won't and Christ won't. And we want to place our hope there. And so here's the good news. These blessings that we're going to learn about, they're offered to every single Christian from the first time that you believed. I'm going to say that again. Not when you get to a certain maturity, not when you do a certain amount of enough good deeds, not when you get baptized, not when you become a covenant glad member, not when they are offered to you, the moment you place your first trust, your genuine, pure, unadulterated trust in Christ. So if you have accepted the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, if you believe that he died a grotesque death to pay for your sin, if you believe with all of your heart, mind, and soul that because of his blood that was shed and his death and then his resurrection on the third day, if you believe that after that, after about 40 or so odd days that he ascended to be on the right hand of the Father and he is daily interceding on your behalf, if you believe all these things, it's to you that these blessings belong. 
They belong to you, and that is really good news. Amen? Now, this is huge. I want you to really pay attention to this. You don't have, I'm, I'm, it's a lot of repeating, you don't need to try hard to receive these blessings as we get ready to dive into them over these next four weeks. You don't have to try hard. You have to open your hands and let God do the work. What, what Paul is trying to say is this, just the fact that you have any faith, even a mustard seed amount of faith, is a signal for you to have confidence that the God of the universe is in an active relationship with you. Remember, God chooses. Does, do you choose God or does God choose you? God that doesn't sound like you believe it. Do, do you choose God or does God choose you? Okay, so I don't, but you don't understand, Pastor Brandon. I just don't, I'm not always motivated to go to church. Okay, if you're motivated one time out of the 10 times you go, he gave you the one time out of the 10 to be motivated. And you invite the God of the universe to give you two out of 10, and then three out of 10, and then five out of 10, and watch him and his faithfulness. Every single ounce of any desire you've ever had to be in a relationship with God, he gave it to you. <laughs> that's, that, that's really good news. You, you can do absolutely nothing apart from what Christ offers you. And that's not supposed to make you feel inferior. That's supposed to make you feel safe, like a child and a baby of God, right? So, so who are we? Um, <clears throat> we are a people invited to experience every spiritual blessing in Christ from the heavenly places so that we are lacking nothing. This is for our joy and God's glory. Hey, God is inviting you to be greedy. <laughs> Not earthly kind of greedy, that's bad. This kind of greedy. Hey, don't you settle for some of these. Hey, over the next four weeks, when we go through these seven identifiable blessings, you get greedy. You be as greedy as you ever have. You, you say, God, I want all seven of them. Not six, not 6.5, not 6.8. I want all seven in my life. Praise his name. Because he's offered them to you. He's offered them to you. Now, remember earlier I said that there's something really beautiful that comes out of getting these seven identifiable blessings of the triune God. You get benefits. So you're like, what? That is, that's already a benefit to get the blessings of God. Oh, no, God loves us even more than that. And we get benefits from the blessings. Look at that. We get benefits from the blessings. And, here, and it's a twofold benefit. There's twofold benefit. Ready? Here's the benefit of when you get all of these seven identifiable blessings. Joy. You get joy. Or another way of that is you get to be satisfied in God. You get to be satisfied in God. <laughs> and that is the goal of all of creation. Namely, to be at peace with God. To be satisfied by God. To have abiding joy in God. And to share it with others. Right? Like, listen. Your desire behind marriage is to be satisfied. Trust and believe that. That's why you got married. No, it's because she was really pretty. No, it's because you wanted to be satisfied. You got to get underneath that. You got to get deeper. Okay? Your, your, your desire behind every relationship is to be satisfied. No, I wanted to pour out. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. No, you want to be satisfied in how you pour out. We're corrupt, okay? You want to be satisfied. That's what you're looking for. Hey, your, your desire in your career is to be satisfied, right? That's why you're, you're moving things around in your 401. You, you're looking for satisfaction, okay? Like, the desire to have joy, the desire to be satisfied 
is the undergirding desire of all of creation. Matter of fact, we see this from the beginning of creation where God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in perfect unity with each other, being satisfied by each other, that in their love, they created us. And they created us because they wanted to, they wanted to share how immensely satisfied they were so that we could be their crown of glory, the Word of God says. We are God's workmanship. We get to be the crown of his glory. What does that even mean? That's another one of those justification. I just, it happened again. We did the church stuff. Crown of glory. No, we're not going to do that here at Redemption. We're going to talk about what that means. The crown of glory means the apple of his eye. It means his pride. Like, I got two beautiful little babies, right? Um, Aiden and Aubrey. We, you love them, babe? I love them. They are the crown of our glory. Like every fight that we've had, every repairing of that fight we've had, every laughter that we've had, every moment that we've shared spiritually, emotionally, sexually, all of it was culminates in these, these little beings. And when they laugh and they frolic and they live lightly and they live purely, they are the crown of our glory. And that is what, that's what God did. He was, he didn't need us. He chose us and wanted to share the satisfaction so we could be the crown of his glory. Is that good news? You were created by the God of the universe. Is that good news? Gee, willikers. Here we go. There's the big takeaway. Number one, here's the first big takeaway. I want you to lean into this. Joy and peace with God, ourselves and each other, and the desire to multiply that experience is the benefit that the Holy Spirit provides to our experience of knowing God through the antidote of every spiritual blessing that heals us forward towards a lasting eternity of joyful wholeness. There's a lot there. I, I never have an intention to lay all this out. You're supposed to get it all. I, I, here's the thing. I only got so much time on this earth and I feel that in my body every day. I gotta get it out. I gotta let you know, cause God is good. And then you go home and you dive deeper. Meditate, because there are some deep realities here. We'll never get out of Ephesians, so I try to expand on that. You, you meditate on there. Okay, now I don't want you to miss this in part one. Because in part one, we talked a lot, right? Remember part one? A lot about the background of what was going on in the church of Ephesus, right? Um, so let's talk about that again. Um, if you've ever studied um, Ephesus, you know that that place was crazy. It, it was absolutely ludicrous. Uh, remember, it's the third largest city at that time, um, known to, to the to the known world at that time, you had the temple of um, Artemis, more commonly known as the temple of Diana, and it was considered the seventh wonder of the world. This was a very liberal and secular place. You gotta know this, you gotta hold this intention. I don't want you to miss things as we go deeper into these chapters. It was a, it was an adultery, debauchery-filled, secular place filled with Roman and Greek and all kinds of gods, okay? So during all of this time, you had tons of religious riots and hostility against the Christian faith going on in Ephesus. Um, in fact, one time, Paul, in the book of Acts, um, I think I have it in the book of Acts, I get the reference note, but I think it's Acts, from my recollection, in book, you can look, test all things, but in Acts 
um, chapter 19, I want to say, it, it talks about that for four hours straight, the people were rallying together saying, you know, um, we believe in the goddess Diana. We believe in the goddess Diana. And they were just, they were preaching this and preaching that and preaching that. And they were literally trying to kill Paul for his scandalous message. And I mean, it's a very, you, you want some, you know, people who say the Bible's boring. Are you kidding me? Open up the Bible. It is, it is jam packed with action. If you go in the book of Acts, it is moving and there's things happening. And so this is what's happening, right? Okay, here we go. I'm going to bring it all together now. Now, this is huge. If I was Paul, and if you were Paul, and if you were in Ephesus, I would have wanted to leave that city, right? I would not want to be filled, hear what I'm saying, who wants to be in a city filled with people who are hostile towards your faith? Especially the more you share about your faith, the more they want to see you die, right? Like, I don't know about you, but for me, most of us, we would have fled, right? We would have fled away, but that's not what Paul does. Paul's not fleeing away. In fact, even while he's under, even when he was there, he didn't flee away. He kept proclaiming and preaching Jesus. And then when he was taken away and he's now in light chain house arrest, even though he's experienced his own trials, this is what Paul is saying. Are we living in a hostile culture towards Jesus? Yes, we are increasingly. And let me tell you something. We are approaching a time right now as Christians where you're no longer going to be able to be a nominal Christian. Cultural Christianity is dying. And I, have, and I have news for you. If you are not serious about your relation with, relationship with the Lord of the Bible, you're going to be put to the test. Because we, that needle is moving. It, we're, we're, it, I, it is not far where it's already happening in our churches. They're trying to change our 501c to make us marry same-sex people. Oh, it's happening. And we're going to have to make some tough choices. Me and Pastor Jack were talking about that. Hey, what if we can't provide tax write-offs? What if these things happen? What are we going to resolve? He, he looked at me. I looked at him. And we were like... Yeah, and then we solve that in like five seconds. We're going to preach the word of God faithfully and we're ready to be God's men, right? And so we're approaching that. So what is Paul saying in his letter? So he's experiencing hostility when he was in Ephesus. He leaves Ephesus to do his missionary work. Then he's put under light chain, light chain house arrest. Is he fleeing? Is he getting stuck in his trials? No, this is what he's saying. I want to equip you. What does this mean for you as a Bible-believing Christian when you're walking out there? Oh, but I'm struggling. Oh, oh, my pain in my body because I had a brainstem injury in Lyme. Oh, like, but hold on. People are hurting more than me. What do you mean, Pastor Brandon? Last time I checked, you need help in every little thing you do. I know, it's sad. But people are hurting more than me, eternally. <laughs> the worst that's going to happen to me is that I die and go with my father. The worst that's going to happen to a lot of people that I see is they're going to spend eternity away from their father separated from forever wishing and hoping that someone would have shared the light and the truth of the gospel so paul says i want to equip you this is what ephesians is about are you, are you, are you tracking with me i want you to know how to navigate a life of brokenness people of ephesus people of redemption city in christ i want to show you how to be a business owner a confident mother or a father or a student in Christ is what the book of Ephesians is about. I want to show you how to be an aspiring young pastor or a Christian counselor or how to become a faithful psychologist in Christ is what Paul is talking about in the book of Ephesians. I want to show you how to be a young man or a young woman in Christ is what Paul is offering. I want to show you how to age well in your latter years after you retire and as John Piper says, and not collect seashells. 
as your life testimony, buying big boats and traveling around the seas in your retirement years, that you're gonna, you're gonna use your last years and you're gonna wring yourself out for the gospel is what Paul is communicating in the book of Ephesus. I wanna show you how to build healthy interpersonal relationships with people in Christ is what the book of Ephesians is offering you. I wanna show you how to move past your sin with faithful, godly conviction and not miserable guilt is what Paul's gonna communicate in the book of Ephesians. He's saying, I wanna show you how to be a people group, a church, and a body of Christ in unity with Christ. I wanna show you how to do it all well in Christ. Paul, an apostle Christ Jesus, I'm here with an invitation. Blessed be the God of our Father who has blessed us with everything we need. Is that good news? Yes, it is. It is good news, I know. So if you're here today, and you feel that perhaps your life is spinning out of control. You're, you're out of control. And you're just, you don't know what to do. You don't know left from right. You know you love God. You know you want to love Him more. But you don't really know. Your direction is just all off whack. That you've done too much wrong. <laughs> and that there's no hope. That you've missed your opportunities. I messed up. I screwed up. I missed my opportunities that you're too old, <laughs> you're, not, you're not too old, that you're too young, you're too selfish, you're too dumb, it's too difficult. Or perhaps you simply just don't feel like you can accomplish anything because you don't have any talent. I want you to know that this book of Ephesians, <laughs> this book is for you and it's for me. And if we're being honest, this book of Ephesians is for all of us. Every single one of us need this book of Ephesians because it's about knowing who we are, therefore, the book of Ephesians, right up on the screen, is for anyone who wants to move out of brokenness. Who wants to move out of brokenness in their life? Yeah. Man, you, who wants to move out of brokenness so we can move into wholeness, right? Moving out of brokenness into wholeness and fullness in Christ and towards glad unity with God's family. It's a book for those who want clarity on their identity. This book is for you. This book is for you. This book is for you. So it's personal decision-making time right now. I love it. And it's conviction time right now. Do you want more of Christ? Yes. Hmm. Do you want more of Christ? Yes. Okay. Do you want more of them because you're supposed to want more? <laughs> or, or do you want more because it's your own deep, pure desire? Would you wrestle with this heart, affections, line them up, figure it out. Do you want more because it's what you're supposed to want? Or do you want more because it's in your own desire and you want it bad? Is this a guilt trip thing or a genuine desire thing? Because God is not moved by your guilt. He is moved by your devotion. I'm going to say that again. God is not moved by your guilt. God is moved by your glad devotion to him. Hey, you don't need to come here because you feel guilty because like you missed last Sunday. Come because you want to hear the word of God preached. You don't need to become a glad covenant member because everybody else around you is and you feel guilty. It's bad news. 
You need to become a glad covenant member because you are leaning in, you are hearing the word of God, and you care to be obedient to your Abba Father when he says, join gladly. No, I don't think you guys are getting that. You don't need to show up and make sacrifices with your finances when you can go give them to Red Cross or your children or somewhere else because you feel guilty. You need to lean in and become a glad tithing member of this church because you trust Jesus with your heart and you trust him with your finances and you feel like he's safer than you are, that he can provide for you better than you can. It needs to come from the heart. This is not a guilt trip thing. This is a time of devotion. Therefore, with all of your heart, not just your words, but all of your heart, I want to invite you towards these three final movements of your faith to prepare for the next four weeks as we dive deep into these blessings. Because we got to dive deep into them. It's everything. It's everything. And this is going to be the pathway to prepare you. Okay? So here's movement number one. Ask the Holy Spirit. You don't demand. You, don't, you do not tell God anything. You don't talk to God like that. You ask God. Did you, you don't talk to God like You don't demand things from God. You ask God. You bow your head before God. You lift your hands and you exalt Him and you ask your father. If my parent, it, it, let me tell you something right now. When Aiden gets a little bit beside himself, I, I'm almost going to be out of these analogies of getting older. They're going to start hearing these sermons. But, uh, but when, when, when Aiden gets demanding, babe, tell, I, oh, I shut it down. I mean, even if, sometimes my own affections are like, boy, I just want to lavish so much riches on you. But the fact that you demanded it, you're getting nothing. Absolutely. And matter of fact, now I'm subtracting, right? You don't talk to God like that. You ask him and then you see and you trust in his wisdom and provision. Okay. So ask the Holy Spirit to turn on the light switch of your faith in Christ. You can't do that on your own. Some of us know that because we're tired. <laughs> ask God. All right, you got to ask him, invite him in. Listen, this is going to require you to really move the needle in your humility. Because to ask God is to admit that you can't do it <laughs> and that you need him. You need to start being more needy of God. All right. When I was in the worst parts of my injury, we're almost there. Stay focused. When I was in the worst parts of my injury and I was laying 16 hours <laughs> a night on a bed, countless nights, I got to the point where I had to cry out. It didn't matter how many people visited me. It didn't none, none of that mattered, okay? I was sad, I was depressed, I was, I was stuck, stalled, and stagnant. And it came to a point where I had to cry out to the Lord, God, I believe in you. How many know, I, I know, I, hey, if you're struggling right now, I, I know the tension. It's like, I, you know, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna come off like I don't believe in God. That's why I don't wanna come up to the altar because I do believe in God, I'm just, I get it. This is where I was. I was crying out. I was like, God, I believe. I know you're real. I know you're sovereign. I preached your word. I was a youth pastor. I was, but help my unbelief right now. God, I believe, but help, please help my unbelief. Listen, I got to the point where I had walked away from my calling. There's people here that were that are part of that. I'm looking at them. I was like, I'm not a pastor. I'm not called to these things. I was walking away from it all. I was in pain. And when we're in pain, we do stupid stuff, dumb things. We act stupid, we act dumb, because we are filled with fear. And fear is not of God. But my, my faith wasn't where it's supposed to be yet. So I started walking away from my calling. I started walking away from mentors in my life. 
I started walking away from ministry. I started walking away from faith. I started telling my wife things like, like you shouldn't even try to be with me. I'm, a, I'm just, I'm broken. I, I don't want to be a pastor. I, I was in a terrible place, right? I knew I had a beautiful wife. I knew I had amazing children. I really did think I believed in God. I knew he was good and mighty, but the light switch of my faith was not activated. And I was searching, trying to turn it on. I can't turn it on. I can't do that. God has to do that through Christ. Christ does that. And, and, and it was almost like this. I knew that God was big and he was somewhere out there with all his power. But I, I, but I was not going in and through Christ because he is the light switch that turns the lights on. Yeah. And I needed him to turn the lights on. And so I started crying out, mourning, mourning out tears to God saying, God, I need God, I need you to send your son to turn on the light switch of my faith, the light switch of my joy, the light switch of peace because I'm hurting. Because I can't do it any longer. See, you, Pastor Brandon, I want to grow. Pastor Brandon, I, I want the light switch turned on. Like, tell me how. Tell me how. Get tired. Just keep running around. Keep trying to be strong. Keep doing it. Keep doing it on your own. Keep thinking you don't need glad community. Eventually, you're going to get tired enough. Not tired. Tired enough. And when you're finally tired enough, and, you're, and, and you know that you can't do it anymore, Christ will be there for you. Because he's faithful. But here's the thing. Christ is not faithful just by himself. That's not who he is. He sent the God-man, Jesus, in the flesh to show you something. You want to know how I began to find that peace of God, that joy of God, that faith in God? It was through Christ, in Christ, right? Light switch. But when the light switch came on, it, my world didn't change. I have, I have good news for you. It's not like the light switch turned on and all of a sudden like there's aliens and the sky's not blue. It's purple. Like, no, no, no. Sky's still blue relatively to California. It's kind of nasty, you know, but the, the light was still blue and, and, and people were still normal. You know what's different? My orientation changed. My heart changed. God didn't change. He never changed. I needed to change. My circumstances didn't change. They, they didn't change at all. I'm still suffering. I'm hurting right now. I need to stop moving my arms so much. I'm just excited, right? Nothing changed but me. I changed. And, and then I saw my mentors differently. I saw my church differently. I saw everything differently. It was amazing. And then I was like, what am I going to do now? I got a lot of brokenness. There is a woman right here named Tina Robinson. And yeah, I'm doing that. She's sitting right here. And I, this is so, and I was able to see the beauty of just her faithfully taking me to my appointments, driving me an hour and five minutes faithfully to Auburn, to all my appointments, helping me in the car, helping me out of the car, putting my clothes on, helping me do everything. My family, I saw every, everything opened up. But here was the thing, guys, and I know this happens to us. Sometimes by the time we have our, the light switch turned on and we're like, crap. Yeah, I said crap at church. <laughs> Look what I've done. <laughs> I've jacked up everything. Hey, no, you haven't. God can repair all things. God can redeem all things. But are you willing to do the hard work? And today is a testimony because I have my wife. She stayed. Right? And we healed that. I have my auntie and my godmom here from California because I was trying to end all kinds of, I was trying to get distant from everybody. She's here. My mom have all this reconciliation, all this redemption because the light switch turned on. And I said, I'm not going to go just forward. That's the that enemy. No way. I'm going back and I'm going to reclaim everything that I lost in Christ. I want it all back. Amen. And he's offering that to you.
Jeez, I'll bring that to you. All right, I'm going to try to keep going. All right, all right. Number two, movements of the faith. Plead, we're almost there, we're almost there. This is, I just, I just want you to be, I want you to be whole. Plead with the Father to activate every outlet within your life by the power of every spiritual blessing provided to you in Christ because it's yours. Hmm. I can't even, I can't sit there. You, you think about that deeply. I'm, I'll say this. We need Jesus in every outlet. I mean, in every area of our life, without a Christ-centered perspective, all of our decisions are at best just good and they're not lasting. But at worst, they're going to be completely misguided and they're going to be sinful. We need a Christ-centered perspective in everything that we do. We need to invite God into our marriage, marriages, our relationships, our finances, our future plans our parenting, our, our disciplining, our conflicts, our resolutions, our fears, our anxieties, our accomplishments, our successes. We need a Christ-centered perspective on everything. If without a Christ-centered perspective, we just, we just make mistakes. What does God have to say about how I'm going to lead my family? What does God say about how I'm going to spend my money? Do it all according to his riches, not your own. Amen. Number three, believe, have faith that Christ has already placed everything you need into your spiritual bank account. You can withdraw from it at any time. You can withdraw from it at any time. Therefore, you guys are such good students. Hey, I want you to lock in with me for a second. I promise we'll put it online. I want you to hear this part, okay? <laughs> I love it. You guys are leaning in. Um, therefore, here's, what, here's my ask of you as your pastor. Stop turning to every single self-help book and leadership book that you see that tickles your ear and turn to the word of God. Listen to me. If you go in, to my, in my room, I, I, I love reading. I have a library. It's a wide library. I got old stuff from the, from the fifth century. I got new current stuff. I got secular wisdom. It's all good. It all comes from God in a way. But listen, when the first place you turn, when you're fit, it's about your first devotion. Are you understanding? Your first devotion, the, when you feel anxiety, do you turn to God's word or do you turn to someone's opinion on God's word? When you start struggling because you, you're, you're, you're feeling like your family's hurting, do you turn to the first family book, self-help guide, or do you turn to the word of God as your first place? When you are struggling to know what you need to do for your business and is struggling, do you first turn to the latest leadership conference or do you turn to the people of God and the word of God? We can't do this alone. And so we need to be drawing from our spiritual bank account that God provides through his word and through his people. Hey, I love leadership conferences. I go to them. I love, um, I love secular books and wisdom. There's a lot to learn from them and I use them. But I first turn to the word of God and I first turn to the community of God's people. So if you're feeling disconnected, yeah, you don't have to spend $599. You can just come to church and let yourself be known. Amen? That's good news. That's really, really good news. Mm. Here, here's the last big takeaway. When we see and believe that we have obtained every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now we haven't, we may not have yet because we haven't even really dived deep into these. We're gonna do that over the next four weeks. The light switch of our hope becomes activated by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, supplying every outlet of our life with endless power of God's grace, mercy, truth, and love that we so desperately need. 
So as you can, if you can tell, it all comes down to these spiritual blessings, these seven identifiable blessings of the triune God. And if you really want to lean, care about that, you're going to have to keep leaning in. Now I want you to see this. Look at the screen. I want you to see God working, the Son working, and the Holy Spirit. It's on the screen now. You're going to see a circle. When we see and believe, I'm going to read again, but I want you to see how majestic God is. Because he, 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 there's, there's so much deepness here. Ready? When we, sub, when we see and believe that we have obtained every spiritual blessing in Christ, that's how we get the blessings. The light switch of Christ. The light switch of our hope becomes activated by the Holy Spirit. We having, we, we're not even ready for that. We can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep going. So it's going to be activated by the Holy Spirit. He's the switch. The Holy Spirit is it, the finger. Daily. Holy Spirit. Access. That's our relationship with Jesus, right? Jesus is not here in the flesh anymore. The God man is sitting on the right hand of the Father. You can't talk to him. He's not speaking to you audibly, but through the Holy Spirit, he's switching, he's switching Jesus on all the time. And then Jesus is interceding with the Father. We're gonna, we're gonna, ooh, I can't wait. Therefore, supplying every outlet of our life with endless power of God. It always goes down to God. So the Holy Spirit is how we are able to communicate with our Father and with Jesus. Jesus is interceding on our behalf and it all comes down to God it all comes down <coughs> to God hmm. we're going to need to look at these things as we walk through these seven identifiable blessings if we want to experience reconciliation here I go as I land the plane if you want to experience reconciliation with God and you want to know that you've actually experienced that I want you to know that you have the opportunity over these next four weeks to meet your father in heaven in a way that you may not have before. If you really want to know what it means to experience redemption in your life, I can assure you if you open your heart and you humble yourself over these next four weeks, you're going to be able to see like you may have never seen before what it means for God to redeem, not just the relationship that was broken because of sin between you and him. I'm talking about redemption in relationships and the things that have happened in your life. Not only am I excited to talk about that faithfully through the text, I'm excited to keep weaving in how he's done that for me. You can reclaim. You do not have to live that way and keep on having a new story. You can go back to the story that you believe God's called you to. Hey, some of you guys are like, oh, I should have been this kind of mom. I could have been this kind of a dad. I could have been this kind of a whatever. Hey, it, don't make God small. He's big. Reclaim what's been taken. Amen. 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 It's really easy to, to, to love and to lavish in the grace and mercy of God. That's, that's, that's the easy part, right? We want to live there like, yeah, God's grace, God's mercy. And I want us to know that. We've spent over four hours in our young church talking about that so far. That's God's part. And that's the popular part. But listen, the grace and mercy is to fuel our part. The grace and mercy of God is to fuel our part, and that's the unpopular part. Because of God's grace and mercy, you get to do some things out of that grace and mercy. And it may be hard. It may be difficult. There may need to be reconciliation and redemption in your marriage and your family and your church stuff and your purpose and your calling. I don't know. But if you're willing to live and trust in the grace of God that you don't have to earn, you're going to have what you need to begin that process. Amen? Let's pray. Mm. So, Father, <laughs> chief physician on high, I pray for those who are sitting here today thinking, is this really true? Is all this possible? Because I got a story.
I pray for them that they would begin to see that they have a real opportunity to enter into a new story, your story, a God story of redemption and reconciliation. <laughs> Praise Christ. I pray that today's message will be the first step towards a glad willingness in all of our hearts to have the light switch of our faith activated for your glory and our joy and satisfaction. And finally, I pray that as we begin to march, Lord, we're not going to walk now. We're going to march through these seven identifiable blessings that come from your hand, that we might be empowered to live lightly and freely and joyfully and humbly and courageously and repentful all the days of our life. Great King, I know what these deep wells of truth have done in my life. I know it, I feel it, I see it, and I'm thankful. Now may you do exceedingly and abundantly the same for every one of my brothers and sisters here. Holy Spirit, sustain all this this week so that we might gather again on Sunday for our first prescription dosage of soul healing, redemption, and reconciliation. It's because of your beautiful name we pray and we trust. Amen. <laughs>